0: On today's episode, Dave interviews Rob Belushi. Rob has been on How I Met Your Mother, According to Jim, and started the Joe Schmo show. He's also a second seating I.O. alum
1: and performs with John Barnholtz and Baronholtz and Belushi. Rob is the son of Jim Belushi and is John Belushi's nephew. I'm Ian Foley and this is A D D Comedy. You have a degree in filmmaking, right?
0: I do, yeah. I have a film a degree in film
1: studies uh-huh. from Wesleyan, yeah. Why you smile when you say that? <laughs> because
0: um uh, I don't know. Like, thinking back, maybe I should have studied finance or something.
1: What the fuck difference does it make, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, where's finance going to go to you?
0: <laughs> Nothing, but, you know, what is... F- I, you know, I really love that I went to Wesleyan to study specifically with um, Janine Basinger, who's the the head of the program there. Uh-huh. And It's hard to get into the major. and Hard I mean, to get into the major
1: that you got into. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: So I was really proud of that.
1: Well, and and you probably got shit out of it because i I'm, I'm with you i have a degree in photojournalism oh and, cool and i did a bunch of that i was i was uh, i did freelance for the tribune and the sun times and shit like that and so cool um, it's really great but you know what the fuck am i doing with it now you know i mean i could tell you stand over there and move over there because <laughs> yeah, i guess yeah. that you know
0: i know like i feel like i i'm really well equipped of telling my friends who are actually making movies what I would do better. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, right. And I also can really speak with some erudition at parties go.
1: about Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> you know the MacGuffin well.
0: I do, yeah. I know the whole, the whole story of the MacGuffin.
1: I do too. What is the whole story of the MacGuffin? Because I teach it. I teach it in improv because this is what I do. I teach it in improv saying that the beginning of the scene... Is just the McGuffin yeah and then you' let that thing go I love that you know
0: yeah I do I love that uh, and what's the scene really about kind of the thing
1: and get to what the scene's really about yeah. but let yourself let that McGuffin go right you know uh, and I, I think any good filmmaker is if you're gonna tell a story you got to start somewhere yeah but, and it's mm-hmm. not about what the thing is that it's about at the beginning of what you think it's about right yeah
0: yeah I do I mean and ultimately you know Hitchcock was a great user of that because he uses twist you know? right so a McGuffin Ma- suggests a twist right know, which is what we're drawn to i love it surprise especially, yeah and i think that's what draws us to comedy is purely surprise you know
1: especially so you you and john bernholtz have been doing your you've been doing your show for what four years five
0: years uh, i mean i don't know like i think we did we did this chicago improv festival in 2007
1: so that's seven years ago. Yeah,
0: and then uh, that was at the Playground Theater, and I think we did a run at IO after that or before that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, long time. Love the guy. We work together a lot. And, and
1: do you do longer scenes, or what do you do? Because uh, like, like, is it just like fast, or what? What do you do? Uh,
0: you know, we try to mix it up. It's right. generally um,
1: just montage.
0: Yeah, yeah. We do like an opening where we kind of get a suggestion, talk about it, and then use that as an opening, and then. Uh-huh kind of do whatever is right sometimes we'll do really long scenes and sometimes we'll, we'll try to break it up in the like
1: i love doing this work so much yeah i just love it i love it i love i love the fact that you can do whatever you want to do and you can be at first i remember when i was when i was first improvising uh, i was i would look at things like i would look at my brother who's a great piano player and a great artist he's a really really great artist and he if he went to a party and there's a piano, the fucking beat would be all over it. Yeah. You know, and he could draw pictures. And it's a, And I was thinking, well, I don't have anything like that yeah. you know, as an improviser. Yeah, I know. But as an improviser also, you're not stuck with the idea of I need a set and I need a costume and I need a script and shit like that. And when you realize how good storytelling, how fun it is to dump it and just jump on it. And especially when you find somebody that you love to play with.
0: Totally. Totally. You know, I mean, the most compelling thing for me, I mean, especially off the piano thing is your ability to just the freedom of instinct, you know, the emotional instinct and you can just follow that wherever, wherever it takes you. You know, that's what I've been kind of grabbing onto most recently is just Mm like, I don't know, just I guess it's kind of like Meisnery a little bit, but, you know, like just however you're feeling go with it and commit to it and it
1: really it, like people people john's say
0: really good at like structuring it he's like he's got a great structural i mean he's a wonderful actor and all that but it allows me to really just kind of go wherever i want i mean i you know do some stuff too but he's he's got a great mind for placement it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing mm-hmm. yeah so uh and how, where did you guys start We started. uh, We met as um, hosts at Second City on the night staff. Uh I trained him actually. I think I was super blazed out and oh my god! Like here's where we steal the pizzas from. (laughs) Don't be late, Mike Conway will fire you. (laughs) And then we did. um, I was already in conservatory and I O at the time, Mm -hmm. and he was like a, a couple. Like it's level or something behind. But we did the Annoyance together. Right. And that was super fun. Super fun. And then we did Sketchfest in 2005 with a couple other guys from our Annoyance crew. Mm-hmm. And it was fun, but a short-lived group.
1: Right. Boy. Well, you can't have a. I I feel like you shouldn't have a long a, a group with it. Unless you're really, really sure that you guys are going to be together, don't have an open run of a show. Yeah. Uh, Because there's going to be some douchebag that you want to get rid of. I hate to look at it in that way. No, I love it. I love you know, it. I love the idea I mean, of... That's totally
0: what happened. I mean, I think the douchebag was me, but the guy we wanted to get rid of was there too.
1: The scapegoat yeah. guy. Yeah. It's like, get yeah. rid of him. Oh, the douchebag is
0: always me. You know? yeah. But, uh... Uh, yeah, But you it's... know what's so funny is, like speaking of beginnings, you were uh, the first sketch show I ever saw, your show. I think, I'm not sure if it was We Made a Mesopotamia or... I forget. That
1: was an ETC show.
0: You were on the ETC when I saw mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I think I was 13 or 13-ish, 14. And I lived in Old Town. And the only way I could get out late was to go to Second City. And I, I had this buddy, Jake Berlin. And we would go to Steppenwolf. And we'd go to Second City. And you <sighs> were, I think Rabano was in it and Corral. Might
1: and, have been Northwest because I don't remember working with John in ETC. No. Okay. Because you didn't, you didn't make, uh, or maybe it was. Maybe I did come in there for a second, because I think John was on main stage by the time I slipped into ETC. Maybe
0: he. Maybe I'm confusing it. But, yeah. But I remember the bit so well, and so you could probably tell me you you were a doctor, and there was video. It was like a video gag where you go back, and you're like. I'm your doctor. I've been up for 96 hours. Do you remember that bit? <laughs> Very
1: much so. Okay, Very yeah. Much so, yeah, that bit would really go well now with all the insurance shit that was going on. It was hilarious. I, my name is Dr. I've been up for 96 hours. I, I, and it was, oh Cam's my God. Right in your I mean, it was face. right in my
0: face. I thought it was so cool.
1: It man. was really great. And that was the first time that people were doing video stuff. You yeah. know, we did video in ETC. And that that was a man that so you talk about going to second city and you talk about going to Steppenwolf and what a city to grow up in Yeah, cuz I'm from Chicago and uh, I'm from the north side and a city to grow up in when when you go to when you go to those plays and you go what what and you expect that in every other city but Steppenwolf rocked me
0: yeah Always. oh my god i saw um death and the maiden back then and i also saw um Clockwork
1: Orange. With, oh, I love uh, Clockwork Orange. Kate Todd Freeman. That Clockwork Just, Orange was like majestic. Uh, Didn't they? It rained on stage, right? I, I
0: it, it, yeah, rained on my face. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was really inspiring,
1: wasn't it? Like three stories, three it was huge, sto- yeah, it was like huge. a big wall, yeah. right? Yeah, really open and right, right, right. I think that was the first show I saw in that new new space. Yeah, but you've worked with them.
0: I did. A, I did a show with them. I did um, of mice and
1: men. Yeah. Right. Which Who was, was telling me about it? Jeff Perry thing was telling me about it. Oh, really? Yeah, because Jeff's a friend of mine.
0: Ah, oh, love that guy. Isn't
1: he a great guy? Yeah. Hey,
0: buddy. Hey, hey, man. Hey, buddy. We did the school at Steppenwolf. Um, I say we. I mean, me and my, you know, baggage. I guess. But uh, you hear the
1: voices in your head. I
0: did it, and John actually did it later. And I think it's probably like a uh, rite of passage of that. Ten week summer thing where everyone does their Jeff Perry impersonation. <laughs> I, you think it's like intrinsic to your year, you know, and then you're like, "We'll be out here, and there'll be a bunch of kids from different years all doing like Jeff Perry." Thing. Well, there's
1: one thing that he does. Well, he he'll, he'll look at you. Uh, uh, he'll look at you and go, "Hey, <laughs> find it right." And he'll look up in the air, and you go, "What, Jeff, Where are you? Yeah, what happened? I know. Where'd you go? I
0: want to go there, though. You know, right? I bet where it is is
1: a great place. But he and there's a calmness that he has that is just so infectious. Mm-hmm. And when you're around somebody like that, it's it's so I think it's so much it's so much better to be around that calmness than there is to be around everybody who's anxious. I know that that's a weird thing, but I guess a lot of people feed on that stuff. I don't. I don't mm. feed on that craziness, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I obviously, I, I, I deal with. I have anxiety as it is, you know. Mm. So, I what kind of anxiety? What do you mean? I don't know. Just like, I guess I, I always thought I was like a really chilled out kind of guy, and mm-hmm. then I realized that I was just like smoking pot for fifteen years, you know. Uh-huh. So when I took that out of the equation, I realized that like. I'm pretty controlling, like, I'm actually really neat, and, like, and I think with any type of, like, controlling person comes anxiety, you know
1: what I mean, because, do you you, you wake up, do you wake up, do you wake up anxious, do you go to bed anxious? Sometimes. Right, but I think that everybody does that, Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean, like, everybody does that, and, and I've had a lot of people sitting in that chair who, who, you know, because we're all, we're all Doing what it is that we're doing. We're making the money that we're making. We've got the career that we've gone we've got the career It might not be what we expected it to be right and that's great But we have it and we're doing it and it doesn't look like what we what we envision it to be and I think that that's when you go "Uh Oh, or you'll say "Will I ever work again. I don't think I'll ever work again. Of course it'll work again Thanks for saying it don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, you you know,
0: well, there's like two sides, like there's the fear based side of you and then like the side of you that stays grounded and has some kind of like uh, faith based and I don't mean faith in like God, I just mean like faith that things will work out, you know, kind of like life is worth living. But for me, those two sides are at war, you know, and like, I think, you know, if fear is the anticipation of pain. You know that. Wait,
1: wait, wait, wait a minute. Fear is the anticipation of pain. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. in like an animal
0: yeah. sense, like you become afraid when you are awaiting pain. You right. Know? So, I mean, then, like, I've been getting.
1: But it's the expectation. It's so. So, somebody once said, "Worrying is rehearsing for something you hope doesn't happen." Totally. Totally. And fear is the same sort of thing.
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, worry,
1: worry is fear. I mean, worry is fear. Yeah. Well, there are only two emotions, right? There's love and fear. Right. And worry is fear.
0: Well, well, and anger and greed. Well,
1: but those are <laughs> those are on the subcategory of fear. Yeah, that's true. You know, anger is fear, and greed is fear, anger and all that other fear. stuff. Right. You know, uh, but you said the word war. They're at war with each other, which I think is really an interesting thing because I don't see you embattled. That's know, just, so
0: cool. But don't, but you know. It's so funny. Like, I think about that a lot. I I, I was talking to a buddy of mine from college. And then I was at uh, an AA meeting last night. And this guy came up to me and was like, hey, man, you got it together. Like, my lady dropped me off and, you know, introduced her. And I don't know, he's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're funny. And like, you're never complaining and all this stuff. And I'm like, Well, man, you see me at my best. I'm always happy to be here, you know. But I guess, like, what your perception of – I know for me, the perception of myself is always a lot different than I think what other people are perceiving. And it definitely was when I was, like, using drugs and alcohol all the time. I thought I was the greatest, (laughs) most hilarious, charming, sexy, you know – thing and i really i I don't think that was what i was did you find that did you
1: find that when you were using uh and i say that using i you know because that's the phrase that yeah yeah no when you did you find that when you were using you were still able to work and to get work and to you know what i mean
0: i don't know how people like do it i don't know how people are messed up all the time and like these genius actors right i i I have no idea.
1: Can you imagine how much... I mean, can you imagine? You know what it is. I know what it is, too. The amount of work that goes into just going, be sober, be sober right now, act sober, act sober right now. Just concentrate, listen to what's happening. And then once those fucking voices in your head are gone? I
0: I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, I never really figured out anything or really, in my opinion, started working until I got sober, which was... I mean, and I did some plays and I did some stuff, but Mm -hmm. nothing like amazing. I did, but... I felt like oh this is what being an actor is and this is like letting my instincts run run wild and and this is my my thing that like people who are like uh um I'm I'm my real self when I'm drunk I can't I can't I hate when people say that because you know it's something we've all probably said because their their inhibitions are a little lower and they'll say things that they've thought about saying before, but they don't say them because they're not based really it it's not your real self it's like a a worst part of yourself or like a part of yourself you wish you could be or like uh, 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 uh like an a like a piece of yourself that is fueled by insecurity and doubt. Right. And, like
1: threat. And, and, and what you're doing is essentially you're you're medicating yourself in order for that, for you to perceive that part of yourself as being healthy. Yeah. You know, just like, it's like, oh, um, exactly. I have a, a backache, so I'm going to take aspirin to control my back. Right. I have a personality ache, so I'm going to take this thing that I really love That's and so... I'm going to turn that into that.
0: So much more articulate than what my rambling.
1: I couldn't have done it. Yeah, adoption. it's like I'm <laughs> right.
0: I'm I, I, I'm I'm an insecure person, so I will drink or do cocaine and then I will have a lot of confidence. You right. know, as, as... and I do remember like the first play I did, like this dude Matt Miller in Chicago believed in me and gave me a part and in this thing that we workshopped and the first day I showed up like still sneezing a powdered donut. <laughs> he had to literally come into my apartment. And wake me up, mm-hmm. and bring me into the car, and like I had no comprehension. How old of how were you?
1: Twenty-three. Okay, right.
0: I had no comprehension of how un fucking professional that is. Right. And like, And it got in my way a lot, and and you know, I'm so glad it's over for now. But what do you mean for now? Well, you never know. But
1: no, you never know. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. You never know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. for now, no, there's got to be a phrase that that it's like. Not for now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe one day at it. Uh, yeah. No, but there is... I remember coming in... I remember getting high for a Second City show, a touring company show. And I remember... Uh... Probably shouldn't say who was there, but I'm sure I've talked about it before. And I got high. First time I ever got high for the show. It was the first time, like, Rose Abdu was in the show and a couple other people were in the show. And I was like, I could do this. First line out. It was at the Conrad Hilton. There were No, at the Palmer House. There was, like, I don't know, 400 people in the audience. And I smoked. I took a hit of pot with a bunch of a couple other actors. And I went up. Dude, I had no idea what my lines were, and everybody was staring at me. It's a nightmare! It's a nightmare! <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> run away! Yeah, totally run, away. run! Yeah, run away! Yeah. And and everybody's staring at you. You go. I would. I and I thought. I'm never gonna. I'm never. God is my witness. I will never get high before a show again. Yeah. That's not to say. God is my witness. I will never drink before a show because yeah. I do that. Totally.
0: And I think it's like, I'm not against it at all. It's what works for whoever you are. And like, like I said, you know, some people can get skits out on whatever and (sighs) do some amazing, compelling work. I'm not that guy. Like my shit is real sloppy. And uh, it got a lot better when I took that out of the equation.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that hard to do? Yeah, yeah, I mean it was hard. Uh, because you did getting you getting really, to
0: a place where you realize that you need to do that right. is like no fun either.
1: So. Yeah, and it's also and I think that there are there are those thresholds in our lives where we go, I'm at this door man, I could either stay here, but but at the end of the day you really don't have a choice. You're moving forward in that direction, in the direction of sobriety or in the direction of bottoming out or in the direction of whatever yeah. because that's what we instinctively that's what we instinctively instinctively do. Mm-hmm. Moving forward through that.
0: Yeah. You continue to develop one way or the other. Right. And even in stasis, you know, it's a type of development.
1: Stasis. I I love that. Stasis is a type of development. And I think that anybody who's done, like, did you do any viewpoints work?
0: Uh, yeah, at the yeah. school like Alexandra Billings, and yeah. Kim Rubenstein. Couldn't Kim?
1: Yeah, there's a dear friend of mine. She says Stein. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> it's her name. I'll tell you what your name is. Yeah, Kim. exactly. Um, <laughs> Carol.
0: She. They were great. They were great to me. Oh, they
1: are great. Yeah. But the thing is that what you learn in that is when you're in duration of shape, you're do If you're sitting there, you're doing something. Yeah. It may look like stasis, mm-hmm. but it's not. Right. And and there's a calmness that comes with, because once you define whatever it is that you're doing, there's a calmness that comes with that. And when you have that calmness, you're able to let the world come at you and you get to decide, I'm going to let that aggravate me. I'm going to love that. I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to do all this thing because it's coming at you. Does that make sense? Total sense.
0: And I I mean, what what I'm thinking of is like, sometimes that's a really constructive place to be if you, for me, example, are somebody who like, can be confrontational or can like be kind of a strikeout, you know. Strikeout meaning I'm going to. Strike gonna, outward. Yes. Yeah, kind of a person. Uh-huh. Sometimes like closing your mouth and sitting there is like the most spiritual thing you can do. It
1: really is. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you're approached with those sort of things, when those sort of things come at you that challenges you in that way, uh-huh. that's, that's, for me, I look at that and I go, okay. First off, you got to be aware that it's happening. Yeah because you would strike out without, and that's mindless. You're mindlessly striking out, uh, as opposed to mindfully saying, I'm in this situation. This is an opportunity for me to practice that calmness. I'm gonna just sit here.
0: And you know, that comes in the like, exactly like a faith, like a, a positive place, as opposed to like an anticipation of pain place. Like if you're sitting there is different than huddling like in the corner waiting, like. Being aware that you'll get through it and it'll be fine is, right. is a real paradigm shift for me, you know?
1: And to know that there are going to know that there are going <laughs> to know that there are going to be like every day there's an opportunity for you to get angry. Yeah. Every day there's an opportunity for you to be joyful. Every day there's an opportunity to be fearful. Every day that is going to happen. And you get to choose what it is that you're gonna do with that. Yeah. Um I, I realized this a few years ago, the idea that uh these are- <laughs> anything can be a parking space. You just gotta stab your car.
0: Uhhuh.
1: Anything can be a toilet. You just poop or pee or vomit or whatever the fuck you make duty do. make duty you're yeah. gonna make duty yeah. duty <laughs> so. uh, my friend richard label insists that duty is the greatest word and i agree with <laughs> it and we we spent I hours that ah fuck we spent you know rich we spent <laughs> i don't i just but I we, love we, we spent yeah. hours I, I had a job where i was delivering duty uh like <laughs> so i'd pick it up at a hospital and have to deliver it to a lab yes uh, that was my job yes. before i got in the touring company yeah. and he went with me on a lot of <laughs> trips Duty would just we would just go uh we would say like uh it would say it would was like, um, true value hardware it's a true value duty, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. here we are, like, late, late 20s, like, duty. Dude. So, anything could be a toilet, anything could be a parking space, anything could be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm too handsome, I'm too lovely, I'm too vulnerable, I'm too that. And when you look at those sort of things, it's like, you jump on the ship that you want to jump onto, yeah. And if you don't want to, then don't go, don't, don't, and pull back from there. Did you? I, like, I'm, I I know I, your dad used to come to the set and do the sets with us. And I think we went out for drinks a couple of times. And I think we went to a ball game a couple of times. Um, and I, I he, there's a, there's a, um, I remember him getting angry at somebody who called him John. Mm-hmm. And I remember that clearly. I remember going to a ball game with him and sitting in like these box seats. And I remember there's a power that he had then. And did you, did you get any of, did, was he, was he a calm person? Was he, when you, when growing up, did he model for you? You know what I mean? Model that calmness. Do you follow <laughs> me what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I think the answer would be no. Mm-hmm.
1: There, there was, and so for you. I coming,
0: think calmness was not, definitely.
1: Definitely not there. No. Uh-huh.
0: Calm, like I wouldn't think him. And calm. (laughs) And that's why I'm just looking at you blankly like... Well, for me, I'm just wanting to... He gave me a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, to the best of his ability. That's what everyone could do. Yeah. And um, I really, you know, I had many opportunities that were afforded by him that lots of people don't have. And I I am grateful for those things. But calm was never something in my house. Or... You know, even when he was gone, which was early in my life for a long time until high school, calm was not something he brought tension. He brings tension everywhere <laughs> in fact, a room can immediately become tense just mm-hmm. with him walking in. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he sees that as power, right but uh I think it's just discomfort <laughs>
1: Do you, right it's just discomfort
0: but it's hilarious because he, Normally he gets called Bill Murray, which I can never kind of wrap my what? mind around. Everyone says Bill Murray. Like, <laughs> Love you in Ghostbusters, man. He's like, that was Bill Murray. Love you in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray. Do you which ever to went- drive Bill Murray crazy?
1: Okay. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> do you ever? Do you ever? Do you ever? Do you ever think about the your your fame or the fame that? Because I think that the people that I know that are famous want to be famous. Yeah. They've always wanted to be famous. I've never wanted to be famous.
0: I hear you. Me neither.
1: You also watched it, you know, in your in your life. You can't. I don't think that you control walking down the street with, with George Wendt. Mm-hmm. You, what? I mean, it's less now, but when he was Norm, like he couldn't live.
0: Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, I, it's not something I wanted, and clearly, as things have turned out, it's not something that's happened, with the exception of my connection to these other famous men in my family, right? Um, which I, I like. I've never wanted that. and How did you avoid that? Yeah. I think when I was younger, like when I first got to Chicago, I was really bent out of shape about what my identity was right. and what it meant to be. But, you know, but that was all just kind of like indulgent thinking in retrospect. But it's
1: also when you're younger, you're really trying to figure out who the hell you are.
0: Yeah, and like everyone is making some to do about this thing that isn't really a thing. And so, it has
1: nothing to do with you.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I'm different from those guys. Clearly, I'm not my uncle, and clearly, I'm not my father. So, like, no. Um, that's, and what's so
1: interesting is clearly, I'm not my uncle, and clearly, I'm not my father. Right. And when people look at me, they don't go, Jerry Yeah. I'm like, no, that's my dad.
0: Well also, you know, I've done certain that's true and I appreciate that. I've also, you know, my part in that perpetuation is that I've chosen to do the same thing that these guys who have been very successful have Wait done. Wait a minute.
1: Did you choose that? I don't think you chose that. I don't I don't think we choose what happens. And I'm not saying that there's a god that's moving us the fuck around, but I'm saying that there's a spirit that we have where we I don't I don't have a choice. Yeah. When yeah. you talk about going finance school, I'm like, what are you talking about?
0: No, I mean, that's the thing. I went to college. You're right. I went to college just to be a filmmaker, a director, and I did a play for a buddy as a favor, and then I did another one. and then Right. I, and then I met this Russian dude, Yuri Kordonsky, and he changed my life forever. Right. So, but
1: you were also open to that sort of thing. Yeah. And if you want to say that you had a choice, well, great. But the Buddhists say you don't have a choice. The Buddhists say you move into this direction, and that's where you go. I dig that. I dig it too. Yeah. And it's that goes back to that calmness. Yeah. You know, that absolute calmness and the stillness and the non attachment to shit and the no expectation stuff. Yeah. And to surround yourself with those sort of people.
0: Totally. And um and I've been lucky I've been extremely lucky at so many so many levels. Um, but I've been lucky to have some great people in my life throughout all phases of my, you know, chrysalis or whatever mm. and and a lot of them are still around. And uh. did you live in
1: Bucktown? Yeah, I, I grew up. up I, 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 I I was at your house.
0: Yeah, my mom's house.
1: Right? Yeah, your mom's house. Yeah, and I don't know why I was at your mom's house. I have no idea it there, but I re- I remember meeting you when you must have been in the single digits. Yeah, and I don't know why. You lived near what used to be a church, or
0: no. yeah, St. Hedwig's.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and right. uh,
0: the Charleston. Yes, exactly. On that street.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was a
0: cool spot, man. It was before Bucktown looked like Old Town. You right. know, it was still kind of funky and artisty and weird. Does and your mom still have a place there? No, now she she moved to the burbs. Now I couldn't to, do that. Yeah. Have
1: I you lived know. have, have you lived in the burbs?
0: No, no. But she's got a really sweet house. What at, city?
1: Lagrange. Lagrange. Yeah, yeah.
0: She has got a guy, and she got a nice thing. She works out there. Boy, and,
1: I just, I, I just get. I remember Bucktown because I had I did a movie there. I did the Untouchables there. So cool. The pilot for the Untouchables. It was so cool, Rob. It was they, they had old clothes and the old cars, and I got shot in the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh. Uh, right next to the Charleston, there's a there's a garage, an old garage, and they filmed it right there. Oh, cool. And I got shot there and. You know. That's been my
0: dream to to get killed. Isn't it awesome? I got killed on like this Agents of Shield episode I did, but like Uh they body scanned me
1: and like it was
0: all digital. So I didn't get to like get shot fuck up you oh my like,
1: this guy had squibs is that what's yeah yeah this guy had he, he i had a stunt man. yeah stunt man. he <laughs> so they had this guy loaded up with explosives on his back so that when he got shot he did this awesome dance of shooting it's like yeah 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 like his arm slow motion in the air it was a beautiful thing to watch tommy gunned god just tommy gunned that's so cool who doesn't want to be killed in the 20s
0: everyone who died in the 20s. Yeah. No, but I hear you. I do, I definitely want to be killed in the 20s. In fact, like I really love reading about that stuff.
1: Did uh, there's a book called um uh The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Last call the Rise and Fall of Prohibition and it just drives everything home. And I just read another book called Get Al and it's about getting Al Capone uh-huh. and you look back on that. I don't know what it is, but it's about that era, and it might be about growing up in Chicago, which is such a twenty city that you that I want. I just feel like I belong there. Yeah. I belong there. I know. I love Chicago. I miss it. Are you? So I didn't see. What is this Shields show? What is that? What was that? Oh, it's
0: it's a show on ABC. It's like a Marvel Marvel show. Uh
1: huh.
0: I did like two
1: episodes. So uh uh-huh.
0: Yeah, it was uh,
1: fun. And there's something about acting and improv and the people that have training in acting it, watching them improvise is such a such an awesome thing as yeah. opposed to because <laughs> I feel blessed in that I was trained by actors before I was trained as an improviser
0: I remember that I I use that all the time, actually. You taught a a Torco workshop, and you said we are actors who improvise. Right. Not improvisers.
1: And I think that, for me, I feel like it's still, even more so it holds true, because I think that kind of shit's happening more and more. More people are looking at improvisation as acting, and the idea that all improv is acting. I get bored watching people who just play the same old fucking thing over and over and over again. I can't do it.
0: I'm with you. I mean, I I uh, I teach as well. And Where are you teaching? At Second City.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I taught in Chicago and Vegas, and I just always try to say, like, you know, laughs will be a byproduct of something that is invested in, and right. stop trying to make me laugh. It's annoying. Oh I my feel god! I manipulated. Like, it's- don't fucking waste my time. Like, please learn how to, you know, and I think that's such a great actors who improvise is such a cool thing. It puts the onus on the life as opposed to the laugh, you know, so
1: it's really cool. Uh, Right, right, right. And the idea of don't, don't, whatever it was that you said, don't force me into that. It's sort of like you, it's, it's sort of like me asking you to fall in love with me. It can't be done. Yeah. Or me asking you to be hungry.
0: Yeah. Or like playing heavy score over some scene to, like tell me how to feel about it like, right exactly I can't stand
1: it no neither can I yeah. neither can I I love doing plays too it's just been so long since I've done one I know. and out here it's really it's really almost impossible to do one mm-hmm. not that it's impossible it's can.
0: just there's not the excitement there's not the culture that there is in Chicago like people are excited by the play it feels important like there's and, and like actors in Chicago I feel like have a real there's integrity there's a working class Aspect to like the job that right. is has you know merit like a sacred kind of thing. It's like I always feel feel like actors in Chicago are so cool because they're all kind like, um, of like Nelson Algreny type of cool right. problem ch- observers of the human condition out here. It's like people who are trying to put their dicks in to a check. Which is what I have totally become—a check fucker, you know. Like, <laughs> but there's something really nice about making a living, and and you know. I, I love that too. uh,
1: Periodically, you will land on something that isn't just a a, a check to fuck. Yeah. you know, Periodically, (laughs) you will land on a a, a relationship that you can have. And I think that it's those other gigs that you get for that one job that you go, oh, that. And those of us who were at Second City are kind of spoiled Mm -hmm. because we were, I know for me when I was in the resident company, I never had an audition again. Mm -hmm. But I just kept doing my own material over and over again. It's amazing. Until I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah, but it's also you look at who you worked with over at uh, Northlight. Um, I was at Northlight. The John Mahoney show. The show. Uh, oh yeah, a life. Yeah, mm-hmm. a life. And how? Like, look at the how it was it a cast of five?
0: Yeah, I mean it was uh, one, two, three, six. it was eight, six. Mm mm-hmm. Linda Kimbrough. Right? Right? Brad Armacost. John Mahoney, I mean, is John, John. Mahoney. And, he's amazing. And,
1: and, and you go, okay, so does John live out here? John lives out here and in Chicago. I don't know where he lives. He uh, lives in Oak Park. He lives in Oak Park. That's right. Yeah. He lives in Oak Park.
0: He'd so, always be like, I love him because, first of all, he was insanely nice to me. I mean, so. He's insanely nice. He's nice to everyone. Right. But he'll also tell stories that are amazing. like, the, the, Like, it was. It was two couples. Oh, I guess it was eight. Yeah, it was eight of us. So there's two couples older, like John Mahoney's age, and then the same two couples as younger That's people. right, that's right, and that's right. He'd tell us stories, and like Mahoney's stories would always be amazing. He'd be like, I wasn't an actor, and then like I did a play and and won a Tony for it, and then I've been acting ever since. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, man. He's like... Yeah, I just never wanted to leave Chicago. So, you know, Frasier flew me out there and put me up. And then they'd fly me back. And and I'm like, dude, (laughs) that's cool. He was a teacher. Wasn't he a school teacher? Yeah, I think he Yeah, an editor. Uh He was an editor of um, Time. No. uh, Some kind of magazine. Right. Some big magazine.
1: And you look at that. And and when I hear people, because I hear people say, boy, I really like what it is that you do. You know, I wish I could do something like that, and I go, "Then do it." Yeah, because why live that life of I wish that I could do that, or I didn't do that, or how come I'm not doing that, or what yeah. the hell? I, it gets boring to me. It yeah. really, really gets boring to me. Yeah. And as, as I get older, I realize, the the path that you're meant to take, take that path because if you don't, you're going. It's going to drive you fucking crazy.
0: Right. And, I feel like that's what I've done, and you've done, and, right? You know. Right. I see my buddies who like it from college and stuff who stayed in New York and went into finance and make shit loads of money. But right. They live for their vacation. And they take amazing vacations. Right. But I always feel like really spoiled that my life is kind of a vacation, and I never know what's gonna happen. And
1: and you got to be cool
0: with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a risk to that, but also I think a tremendous freedom, which is. Do you, you think
1: know, about the risk? I don't think about the risk. I feel like, I mean, for me, I feel, and it's not to say, hey, I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm in a cloud. It's just a, when, uh, that there's there's a confidence to know that I will work. And there's also a confidence to know that when I meet somebody that can hire me, I don't look at them as they owe me anything or I want to get them. I look at them as saying, we're, look, come on, really? You'll either give me the job or you won't give me the job. Right. And I love that because the moment that you start seeing people as people and yeah they also can give you work but the moment that you look at they can give you work you're you're gone it's you're it's over because you're no longer here because if I'm looking at you thinking that you're a check that I can fuck I'm I'm not paying attention to you you know what I mean absolutely
0: man i mean that, that's a great i'm going to start using that more i think that's
1: really perfect but it's a choice yeah I think that that's the default, but we don't think so. The default being we're in this together. Mm -hmm. The aberration is you owe me my money. Where's my money? Give me my money. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and I'm in like,
0: even, you know, acting in general, like if you're in it for the money, you're kind of a gambler, you know, like, (laughs) so, I mean, my, my needs are pretty modest. I would say, I mean, Mm -hmm. Maybe not compared to some, but, you know, I, I always figured if I could make whatever, who cares? But, right. you know, my nut is like I've always in my mind, my nut is like pretty small to where I could live in an apartment and pay my bills and eat like
1: that's all I need. Right. And because um, you're also not looking at something like, oh, how am I going to go to go on vacation? Or I going to save up for vacation? Right. Which yeah. is what, you know, people do do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be able to go to a wedding every now and then. It is. That is true too. And that's pretty new in my life. Like, okay, I can fly there and get you a present. Like that to me, like when I was in Chicago, like I never thought I'd own a car ever, (laughs) ever. Like owning a car was this tremendous impossibility in my life. That's how like pretty, you know, myopic my, I was like tiny, I would get money. And give it to my landlord on like the tenth, just so that it would be paid. Or like I worked at this restaurant. This guy, amazing Bob Bracey was his name. He's George. the GM.
1: What what restaurant?
0: Southwater Kitchen mm-hmm. in the Hotel Monaco. Mm-hmm. And I was the most catastrophically bad waiter there ever was. But he loved me, and I was good with the people, you know. But I was always late. I had no call, no show. Like I no called, no showed five times oh, Jesus before Christ. he finally fired me and he's like but and then he was like i mean rob I, I can't do anything but fire you i mean i just i have to now like i'll lose the whole no one will believe me you know no one.
1: i love the idea of that i would never heard the phrase no call no show
0: oh that's a big restaurant
1: thing. i love that phrase and
0: it's like a big problem like you and get you, one of the one of those and you're usually fired uh-huh five is like totally fucking absurd but this guy was so amazing because like from like september to december i i couldn't keep money in my hands because i'd like drink it or whatever mm-hmm. i would take part of my tips and put it in his office and he would hold all my tips until december so that i could buy my family christmas presents oh jeez. yeah he was a sweet oh, guy geez.
1: oh jeez, and you fucked him over rob you know, I did my best. <laughs> you, But the interesting thing is that you had the sensibility to tithe yourself into, you know, yeah. Christmas gifts, mm-hmm. like to be able to put that shit away. So yeah. at the root of it all, there's a sensibility as opposed to, you know, your, your, your powdered donuts, that sort of thing, oh, yeah. those sort of things. You don't need those things. Yeah. So there's something within you that has always been that. I could not live the life. Like, I, when I was in Manhattan, I was, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and I was watching everybody, like, like moving around. It's crazy. Like, I get off. The, I, I, I fly into New York. I take the New Jersey Transit to Penn Station uh, down in 8th. Whatever Penn Station, it's Penn Station, and I get at Penn Station. And first of are you trip... sure you're not talking about the Penn Station on Thirty Fourth? Or... No, the Penn Station on Thirty Fourth, yeah, like that yeah. Penn Station. No. <laughs> I think that's another Penn Station. That's a
0: better. That's I like that Penn Station a lot better. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get off at Penn Station. It's it's a dump, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So you so and I get up and I'm walking around. I'm looking, going, what just did something just let out? Like was there a concert that just let out?
0: It's or crazy. are people
1: going right? And you realize, no, it's Tuesday. Yeah. This is a, a chill day. I'm saying it's a crazy fucking day. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, it's crazy day. And here, you know, you drive over here, you park, you go, you know, you go, it's like the 10 is going to be tough, but you get out and it is quiet, man. Yeah. My neighborhood is quiet. I dig it. Is your neighborhood quiet? Yeah. It's quiet. I'm not paying. I mean, this, this place it's 1600 bucks a month it's awesome it's awesome yeah um, in New York no way man this would be I don't even know I don't even know either I don't, cause like, did you live tell there me, oh you, did you well where's Wesleyan I,
0: I, it's in Connecticut right so I spent a lot of time in New York right I spent I did a summer at NYU Tish doing like film stuff and mm-hmm. I lived with my buddy who had a studio in Tribeca mm-hmm. for a summer that's as long as I've done but I hear stories about like, just, I mean, insane. Like, four grand for one bedroom apartment. I'm like, how? What? How do you do
1: it? Right. How do you do it? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And then, how, how do you do it? Yeah. All your money goes to that. That's it. So when you say that you live in a myopic life, one of the like a really tiny little thing. I look at that and I go, the Spartan life that we live here is Spartan because we want to be that way. Yeah. The Spartan life you live out there is Spartan because you can't live any other way. I know. I know. That's why I love Chicago
0: as a home for actors to land. I mean, I tell everyone to go there, you know. People and Chicago it's like it's it really it's gives you a hug, you know. I mean, you can get an agent there, you can get great training there, you can actually be in a community with your icons every right
1: time you know i mean but you also get to meet someone like john mahoney yeah and you get to pe- meet people like alexandria billings and kim rubensteinstein and you get to work with carol and you get to like carol, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get to work with all those people and then you get to go to see the shows and you get the food that's cheap and it's easy to get around and parking yeah. is a little expensive now more than it was before but to live in that to live in that world i get inspired every time i go there
0: mm-hmm. well i'm excited that we're going uh next weekend, and I just love going to Seattle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So you're going to be performing what day, do you know? Friday
0: and Saturday.
1: you got two gigs, Friday and yeah. Saturday. Where?
0: Uh, I think what used to be the theater building is now stage right. 773.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've taught some classes there. I've yeah, really, That's a great space. Is it? Um, I wonder what room you're going to be in, because yeah, is there's it a big a, room? I don't know. Some of the stages are wide and beautiful. It's yeah. just a, It's a great space over there. Uh, and Brian Posen, I think, runs that thing. Uh, man. Uh, man. alive! alive. And CIF is really great.
0: Yeah. Well, and then the, and then Saturday we're at Donnie's Skybox, which is super fun. Yeah,
1: I think that I got a show there with uh, Rachel Mason and Joe Bill.
0: That's great. Saturday?
1: That? I don't know what day it is. Day. Yeah, Saturday. Maybe it's Saturday. I'll yeah. check that out. Yeah, maybe it's Saturday. Yeah, uh,
0: that, that laughs are a byproduct thing. That's Rachel Mason. Oh. I mean, it's probably every. What do you lapse?
1: Are a byproduct? What does that mean? I'm oh, sure. that line that I, you just said. Yeah, I think,
0: uh-huh. I think I stole that from her. Uh
1: uh-huh. so, She stole it from something else. She's she so cool, nothing. man.
0: When I was doing, um, I, it was maybe.
1: Are we out of time? No, no, no. Keep going. I just want to see where we are.
0: It wasn't. It might have been a line in winter, but equity off night. I was. It was line in winter. She was teaching at I O on Monday nights, and I never had anything to do. So I'd just show up and she'd let me take her class again, you know, and just welcome me in. She's so cool, man.
1: But there's another thing about all the teachers that we met in Chicago and all those people that are mentors to me and all those philosophers like you mm-hmm. Michael Gelman and mm-hmm. those kind of guys that you teach, that you take classes from. And so you didn't know Donnie, did you? No. Donnie DePaulo. No, I didn't. You didn't know Donnie. You didn't know Martin. Mm-mm. Like those people were, were dead by the time you, were, yeah. you came on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at all those people who... Made it so... I love the fact that you're teaching. I think that's fucking great.
0: Yeah, I it, use your stuff all the time. From I, that one workshop. like
1: How long was it's that? It's like
0: falling in love. I don't know. It yeah. must have been 2000... I was matter. an understudy for the touring company when you taught it, and it must have been like 2007 or something. Oh. Six. Oh,
1: time flies so It goes by so fast. And and I, again, I feel blessed to come from Chicago, and, and I, I feel blessed that Chicago is one of these cities that somebody said, all right... You fail in Chicago. Somebody's gonna to talk to you and go, "Yeah, you fucked up. What's your next project?" Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah, you fucked up. What are you gonna do now? It's more yeah. like, what, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do now? You fucked up. What's your next? When, when's your next show?"
0: Yeah, and I love that. I did too, and I, I personally needed it. You know, I needed it. Although a couple people could have told me a couple things about professionalism, it would have helped. me But out would you have listened? I don't know. Probably not. But, you know, that is one thing that I do now with students. Like, some people are there just to mess around and some people aren't. But, you know, like, that is something that I carry with me. It's like, I wish people would have told me that it's really... Because then I got in a touring company and I was like, I didn't really get it. I, like, like laid down one... I mean, I feel so much shame. Like, I like laid down during notes and just shit that belies a certain attitude that right. I certainly... Didn't have my shit together, but I wish, I wish, I don't know where. I'm I guess gone. you just—that's part of learning it. I think
1: I don't remember anybody saying "sit he, up."
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I, and if you go to conservative like acting school, right? I think that's ingrained.
1: But you didn't do that. I, I also think I'm glad I didn't go to acting school. Yeah, I'm really glad I didn't, because the, the shit that I learned in Chicago, I don't know. I think that I would have had a different eye toward it had I mm-hmm. gone to acting school because there is that professional there also is this grittiness that you that that happens when you're doing a show in chicago and granted i started there in 82 83 mm-hmm. so that's when Steppenwolf was still at uh, a different theater and that's when oh my god it was just a, a awesome fucking time did you ever work with jim ortlieb no okay there's just some great people great actors there but you, you look at somebody and you go, that person is acting professionally. Yeah. Or they will turn one day and go, don't do that.
0: God, I remember it was so great. There was this kid who was on the Steppenwolf show. And he's doing really well now. But this dude, Keith Kufferer, lambast like knocked like slapped his hand a little bit one day mm-hmm. um he was the lead and he's an amazing chicago actor keith Kupfer. is he still in chicago yeah i mean mm-hmm. he's gotta be he's like he played lenny in of my cement he's so like so, I, lo- I loved watching him in rehearsal i just loved watching him anywhere but anyway this kid he was an understudy and he'd like come in and there were big ba- you know stepping up so they brought like bagels and stuff it was like big time you know <laughs> he'd come in and like like a typical actor, like eat all this free shit, you know? And like one day, Keith was like, hey man, stop doing that. And and like, I put my bagel back and he's like, "No, no, no, you're fine. You're, you know, equity and blah, blah, blah. You pay your dues and all that stuff. And I'm like, Thanks, man. Like, I felt like I was in, you know. It was
1: such a cool feeling. Oh, my God. God. Because there are those things where – but it goes back to the idea of are you mindful or are you mindless? Mindful.
0: Right. I didn't have a lot of mindfulness. Right. I was very Rob fun now, you know. (laughs) Rob fun now, I'm Rob fun now. That's your alter ego? Everyone wants to fuck Rob. Rob fun now. Yeah. Men, women, pets, they all want – Rob's dick in them.
1: and uh, But you look at that and you go, the mindfulness. But to be mindless, for me as far as I know, to be mindless is okay. Mm. Because that means that you have the opportunity to be mindful. Right. Yeah. And if you don't know that you're mindless, when somebody once says to me, hey, be here right now. I want you to be here right the fuck now. Be here now. And for you to go, what does that mean? It's like, okay, we're sitting. You're over there. I'm over here. That's all that's happening.
0: Yeah. And it's so weird, like you were saying earlier. You know, I don't feel older, but like then this kid from Wesleyan calls me up and is like twenty three years old and wants to have coffee about how to whatever. I'm like, I still think I'm twenty three, but I'm thirty three, man. I know, you know. It's like, oh well, I guess don't do this and don't do this. I don't know, like. It's crazy. It's, cool. it's cool. It's cool. It's really cool. Somebody yeah.
1: reaching out to you in yeah. that way, and for you to go because really, what you're—you know—who you're talking to, mm-hmm. you're talking to younger you. Yeah. You meet this twenty-three-year-old, and you're talking to the younger you. Yeah. You're doing that, which it's—it's it's a corrective experience for your soul, if you want. Totally. You know.
0: Um, that's a very you know, program thing. Give Is it, it? Yeah, you got to give it to keep it, kind of
1: thing. Uh huh. I never was in, I never did it. I didn't do it. I've yet to to feel compelled to do it. But I think that a lot of the philosophy is really just about be here now, man. Dude, man,
0: so much of like what, maybe it's weird to do, but I find so much um, corresponding influence of what I learn in recovery to what we do in improvisation. I mean, they are just worlds that go right over each other. And, and to me, they've kind of um, compounded my love of both, you know, to see how they affect one another. And you teaching it, it's like, it's all about like having faith that you will be good enough,
1: having faith that what you're having doing Having faith to enough. know that you are good enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that it, it just, it's just about really listening to people and like, you know, um, doing the work. And it, it's, I mean, obviously metaphor is what a, a way to control language, but I, I do find it inspiring to bring that stuff into the room.
1: The moment that I realized that improvisation is essentially theatrical Buddhism yeah, is the, the moment that everything just opened, there's cracked open for me. And it's not to say that I have a Buddhist practice, but it's that idea of exactly what you're saying. Um, all those elements are about the expectations that you have, leave it alone. Yeah, whatever had happened in the past, let it go. Mm-hmm. Be kind to to that. be kind to yourself. deal with yourself with humor and compassion. Live the life that you're living right now and realize that to replace ambition with gratefulness, the idea that yeah, I could want that or yeah, I think that I should have that or whatever the fuck that is, mm-hmm. don't shoot on yourself and to know that in that moment be in that moment at that moment. And when you are out of that moment, that's okay to be out of that moment as long as you know that you're out of that moment
0: and it's great too because when things don't aren't working you can play back to that instead of like i'm not talented i'm a bad improviser i'm not funny you can be like well i wasn't really checked in with what we were doing at the top of the show and like i kind of tried to drive i tried to make this thing happen that wasn't really there like i stopped kind of listening to my guy and to you know, so my
1: guy being, oh, my partner, your partner or whatever. It. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: your your woman guy. Whatever. Well,
1: I'm just sometimes it's like some people say that, and they mean this higher spirit thing. So. Oh, oh, I got yeah. you. Yeah. Um, right, and to look at that and to go, okay, so the forensics of that. To say, okay, I had this experience, and I had I had this experience. This show was X, and to look back on it and say, okay, what was the reason that I'm not t- I'm not satisfied with what had just happened? And to look back and go, oh, I didn't check in. Yeah. As opposed to those other ego words that are, you're bad, you're not good, the other guy's better, you, you're never going to be good, you were good at one time, you were better when you were drinking, you know, all that shit. Yeah. You know.
0: And that's something that I really enjoy that John and I do after every show is before we, like, leave the backstage, we go through every scene. And it's because improv is so fleeting, like, it's so easy to be like, that was a great time, and then go out and talk to people and that stuff. And, like, you don't remember even what happened. So we, just, it's kind of like we like to remember. We like to enjoy from afar, and we also like to go through, like, Oh, dude, man, I, 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 totally like drove you into a corner on that, man. I'm sorry. Like, oh, it was great, whatever. And and kind of have the, like a debrief after the show. So I, can... I, I
1: agree with you. Like the idea that it's so fleeting that when you look back on it, you then because once you define it, it exists. And when you look back on it, you go, I need to remember that. I'm, I need to, I need to define what has happened so that I can hold on to it. Yeah. And look at it in any way that I want to look at it. Um, not looking necessarily look at it like I did that poorly, but to say that happened to live your life in a that happened way. Because when we're improvising, we're so for me, when I'm improvising, I am with you right now. I'm just with you right now. And I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not banking this stuff in my memory bank. I'm going to use it if I need a call back. Right. It's not like afterwards. Afterwards, uh, it's so important for me and for Carrie and me or my friend Rachel Hamilton and I to sit back and to say, what, would, what do we do? Let's take a moment. Everybody's going to wait for us. They're going to be out there. And if they're, and they're not going to be out there, it's okay too. Yeah. And to do this, if I had a good show, to say, I had a good show. Yeah. I had a great time. I had yeah. a great time. Yeah. Let's stop there. Great. Wow, Thanks was, so much. Thank you, man. That was great. What a great way to end. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Brzozowski, I'm Ian Foley. If you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows, you can get that information at addcomedy.com. If you want to take a class with Dave, that information is located on his website at davidrozowski.com. You can also follow Dave on Twitter at drozowski. Today's episode was sponsored by Troubado, a restaurant movie, a new movie by Group Mind Films portraying an accurate, sometimes funny, and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life. Troubado, a restaurant movie, available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.